welcome to the Door of Life Church podcast. Our mission is to share the love of Jesus with the world and believers, to teach them how to walk in victory, and to help them find and fulfill God's plan for their life. If you have any comments about today's podcast, please contact us through our website at dooroflife.org. Door of Life Church, where faith meets real life. going to go ahead and delve right into the Word this morning. Um, we're actually on part three of a four-part series, what we're calling Walking in the Spirit. And we're just going to kind of go over some of the, a little bit of the ground we've been through um, in the first couple um, parts. First of all, we kind of looked at the very beginning about what we're calling the problem. And the Apostle Paul does a great job of articulating it here. He says, for what I'm doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice, but what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good, but now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For the will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. Now, if you kind of read through this Romans chapter seven, he kind of goes back and forth with all of these willful good intentions that he just can't seem to carry through on. So he gets a little exasperated, and finally at the end, he kind of comes to the end of himself, and he asks this question, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has the ability to make me free from this law of sin and death. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. So part one was really what we called willpower versus spirit power. You know, the Apostle Paul ran into this early on. He said, I want to, I will, I will, I will not. And at some point he had to switch over from I will to who will. He needed, he came to the end of his own willpower and his own will ability. Intentions are great but he just couldn't perform what he wanted to do. And so he realized, I need someone. I need the law of the spirit of life to be made free from the law of sin and death. I need a power that's greater than my own to live free. And so we looked at last week, we kind of saw the, we, we, we've got to win. If you, we kind of visualized it too in that first part is like a tug of war, all right? If you've got the law of sin and death on one end of the rope, and it's just your willpower on the other end of the rope, you're going to lose that. That's why we need a Jesus. We can't win that tug of war with this willpower. We need the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. It's not just a little backup plan for our willpower. We need the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, all right? So we saw that. This is why walking in the spirit is such a big deal. It can kind of sound a little ooey-gooey, misty, misty, you know, what does that mean? And that's the purpose of this series to break down what it means to walk in the Spirit because the promise of walking in the Spirit is huge. If you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Wow, it is a huge New Testament promise that we have. So it's important to understand what it means to walk in the Spirit so we can get free from this lust of the flesh, the pull of the flesh. And so that was part one. That's really the reason for the series. We need something bigger than willpower. 
to live for God. Um, so we saw there is a power, there's a strength, the spirit of the law, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has been unleashed in this new covenant so that we can be free from the, the law of sin and death. Well, what does that mean? How do I tap into that law of the spirit of life? He goes on in Romans to say, those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. So in other words, if I'm, you know, willpower versus the law of sin and death is a losing battle, I got to plug in i got to plug into the law of the spirit of life that's in Christ Jesus. That's really the value of my will at this point. It's a free will decision to set my mind on things above. It's like flipping a light switch. But the power is from the spirit of God, all right? So the, the exercise of my will isn't so much this, it's this. It's an upward look. That's where my help comes from. That's where my strength comes from. As long as I'm doing this, it's my strength. When I'm beginning to exercise my will to look up, then I'm tapping into his strength. And that's all what last week was about, ways to walk. In other words, we looked at all the different ways that we can set our mind on things above. We kind of looked at them almost as food groups, all right? We looked at the first one as like what we call listening ways. You know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There's something about just getting under the power of the word of God that causes faith to rise up, all right? And that could be through watching, through listening, through mediums that are causing the word of God to go into you, that are provoking faith. Why? You have the spirit of God in you. So there is an anointing that abides within as those words are hitting your heart. What we said, you got the second sermon of the Holy Spirit, the sermon I'm preaching, but the second sermon that you, that's just between you and the Holy Spirit. And that's what the Holy Spirit is saying about what I'm saying. All right? That's the powerful message of the Holy Spirit. That's why when you as a Christian get under the word of any kind of medium or influence, it's powerful because the Holy Spirit lives in you. There's a connection. There's an agreement there. And the Holy Spirit will go to work and begin to show you and teach you and connect you, that vital connection with his power. So there are those listening ways. We said there's the speaking ways. There's going to be sometimes when you're not just listening, but you're declaring what the scripture calls the sword of the spirit, the spoken word of God. When Jesus resisted, resisted the devil, he said, it is written. He resisted with the spoken word of God, not with just a mental recollection of what his theology said about his authority, but he spoke. He, there, was a, there was a time when he had to speak and declare. And why is that important? You are spirit, soul, and body. Speaking has the unique ability to bring your entire being into unity. When it comes, when you're speaking, it's a physical activity that's registering on your conscious mind, your soul, and your spirit is bearing witness that what you're saying is true. So it kind of brings your whole being. It's another way you plug in. So there's different ways and forms that we speak. And then also, we said that there is also a praying food group, if you will where you're having discourse with the Father. You're in the secret place. You're getting what's in your heart out. Like we said, Christianity can get messy. We can preach really cool, neat, straight theology lines, but in real life, you've got to have that secret place where you can pour out your heart and listen and let the Holy Spirit show you what's next. All right? So there's going to be those avenues that you're plugging into the law of the Spirit of life. And that's not exhaustive, all right? Those are just some of the ways that we can plug in. Which brings us now to the third part of this four-part installment, and that's where we're seeing something else as it relates to this, to this paradigm of walking in the Spirit. Paul says, now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit 
not in the oldness of the letter. Now we, can serve, now we can serve God not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the Spirit. Passion says, so now we serve not under obedience to the old code of written regulations, but under obedience to the promptings of the Spirit in the newness of life. All right? So this is talking about kind of the way we do this. So as we're looking at this morning, walking in the Spirit, the newness of the Spirit, we're going to really take a look at, um, we're going to really take a look under the hood at some powerful things because when you say walking in the Spirit, it's presuming that you understand some basic things, that you, un- that you have an understanding about some basic things, okay? Because when we're talking about walking in the Spirit in a newness of the Spirit, it means that we're not going to walk the way we have before. We're not, we're not going to walk in the old way. We're going to walk in the new way. In other words, it's not just important to know what we mean by walking in the newness of the Spirit. It's also important to understand what we mean by not walking in the oldness of the letter. You can take New Testament truths and make a letter out of them and come from a place of a letter, even though you got good theology. We want to draw a distinction between an oldness of the letter and a newness of the Spirit. So... Again, that first one, willpower versus spirit power, that's why we want to walk in the spirit, all right? Setting our mind on things above and getting our heart and mind plugged into that power, that's how we do it. But this morning, it's going to be, this is going to be more the what. What does it look like in real life when I'm walking in the newness of the spirit? And what I'm believing by the power of the spirit that we're all going to grow in this and that we're all going to make some adjustments and be able to detect when in our heart we slip onto an old law letter way of thinking, all right? And we're going to stay on the right side of the newness of life. But we got to understand both sides. And man, I've messed this up as much as anybody has ever messed this up. And you're learning by growing and studying and walking stuff out, all right? So I'm not talking down or pointing fingers. This is stuff that I've just walked through in my own life. But we're going to talk about walking in the Spirit, the newness of the Spirit, and how it is different from the oldness of the letter. So We're going to look at some new stuff as we walk in the newness of the Spirit. And the first aspect we want to look at is simply what I'm calling a new place. We are going to walk in a new place than we've walked before. And again, it's important to understand where we've been and why it's new from what it was before. The Scripture tells us, and this is about the law, it says, is the law then against the promises of God? Certainly not. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, Truly, righteousness would have been by the law. That's a big statement right there. In other words, if God could have accomplished what Jesus did on the cross by a simple written regulation, he would have, he would have done it that way. When Jesus was in Gethsemane, he said, Father, if there is any other way, let this cup pass from me. There was no other way. The Father could have said, yes, Jesus, tell him to be positive. Tell him to keep a good Outlook on life. Tell him to do, tell him to, tell him to, tell him to. There was no tell him to. There was no law that could do what Jesus did for us in Gethsemane. So Paul is saying clearly here, if there had been a law, if we could have accomplished this by the law, he would have done it by the law, all right? So the law was not to try to take the place of what Jesus did on the cross, but it is very important to us. The scriptures can find all under sin that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ may be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. 
Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. The law was absolutely necessary. Without the law, you would have no understanding of your need for a Savior. Remember what the Apostle Paul was saying? He said, I want to do what's right, but I can't do what's right because the law shows me how to live for God. The, the law shows me. It points that, that moral code. If you want to go to the Ten Commandments, there's ceremonial laws. There's all kinds of you know, degrees of you know, righteousness and perfection that's outlined in the law. And there was nobody who could perfectly keep the law. There was nobody who could do this. That was one of the problems of the law. And so one of the, the, the lessons that our tutor shows us of the law is that I am not righteous in myself to be able to stand in the presence of a holy God. I need help, right? And that's why Jesus died on that cross, to forgive me, to cleanse me, and be able to put me in right relationship with God by grace through faith, not by keeping the law. And so that was one of the lessons that I learned. I can't do this. I need a Savior. It, it's bringing me to Christ. It's, I'm, if you can think of this side of the cross, we'll use this morning as the Old Testament, that side of the cross being the New Testament, the New Covenant. I'm on this side, and the law is pointing me to Christ, pointing me to my need. And so when I call upon the name of the Lord, yes, that means I, I'm born again. I'm saved. I come over here. So I'm learning that, that law, that lesson of the law that I need to have forgiveness. I need cleansing. Also, the other lesson we talked about too, I don't have the ability to do this thing. I don't have the ability to live for God on this side over here. I need power. I need strength. And so the law is tutoring us in our need for a Savior. The law is bringing us to Christ. The law is showing us our necessity for Christ. That's why Paul is saying, I will the will that I, the good that I will to do, I don't do. And so that's the law tutoring, showing you, yep, you can't do it. Who's going to deliver me? So that's the, the message of the law. That's kind of the, the, the tutoring, the school teacher of the law to bring us and point us to our need for Christ. And then when this happens, when we come to Christ and we, we say, I can't do this, I'm calling upon the name of the Lord to be saved. I need Jesus. What happens? He rescues us from the kingdom of darkness, and he transfers us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. And so when we come over here, it's not just like, you know, a lot of times you might be over here, all right, I'm just talking about maybe from the standpoint of your family or something like that. You come over from here to over here, and some, some, some people might say, you got religion, all right? You got religion, you got something. Well, that's what it may look like from the outside. But what happens when you receive Christ, you got transferred into a new kingdom spiritually. There was a kingdom of darkness over there. Now you're in the kingdom of God's dear son. It's like you got moved to a new place. If you're going to walk in the newness of the spirit, you're going to walk in the newness of the spirit from a place. Okay? You're going to see yourself in a place now as you're living for God. This guy over here, like we said, hey, he's got truth on one hand, he's got willpower on the other hand. It doesn't work out too well, all right? But when you're over here, you don't just got truth and willpower, you're in a whole new kingdom. It's a whole new way of living. And so we see we got a new kingdom, not only that, but we got, but now Jesus, our high priest, has been given a ministry that is far superior 
to the old priesthood, for he is the one who mediates for us a far better covenant with God based on better promises. We got better promises over here. So, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and living way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts fully trusting him. This, this is what, where we are, where we can go that we couldn't from over here. We couldn't do this in our own goodness or in our own strength. When we called upon the name of the Lord, it got us to that place of fellowship with God. Why? Boldness because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Over here, I'm trying to do all the right stuff. Here, I'm not having to try to do the right stuff. I've just got boldness because he gave me the gift of grace. He gave it to me as a gift. I didn't work. I didn't earn. There's no boasting. It's just thank you, Jesus. I'm in a place. I'm in a place of your kingdom. I'm under a better covenant. I can come boldly before your throne of grace. Um, and then finally, we've got a new access. So then, since we have a great high priest who's entered into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. The high priest of ours, this high priest of ours, understands our weakness, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy. We will find grace to help us when we need it most. Now, that's good theology, and we believe that. But let's just do a little checking up. If you're, let's just say, you know this, I'm a Christian, and um, you're over here, and you're not, you know, maybe feeling it, but then also you're kind of thinking, well, but then again, you know, I know why. I know that I... Um, I haven't actually been so into the Spirit. You know, I haven't had a devotion time and I can't remember how long. Oh, I was supposed to read that book and, you know, yeah, I watched a bunch of, watched a bunch of, you know, murder mysteries instead. I did this. I should have done that. I'm a Christian now. And you're thinking to yourself, you know what? Man, I'm going to have like a double devotion time tomorrow and just really, <laughs> really make up the difference here. You can start negotiating, even though you know this theology, as a Christian, you can start playing games in your head and come back under a legalistic way of thinking. It's true that you reap what you sow. If I sow to the flesh, I'm going to have the flesh reap corruption. If I sow to the Spirit, I'm going to of the Spirit reap life. That's, that's absolutely true. It will have an effect on me, what I plug into. But if I sow to the flesh, I will not reap God putting me back under the law. I don't reap that. I'm still who I am over here. The place is still the same. He doesn't put me back in that place. This is where we're just talking about the newness of the Spirit, not the oldness of the letter. I'm just saying, when you come from the letter to the Spirit, you got to change the way you're thinking, and you got to be able to catch yourself and say, wait, now, uh, 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 am I trying to accomplish something with my devotion time that was already accomplished in Christ? It gets back into a subtle form of pride and religious stuff over again. And when we want to get traction in the Spirit, we have to change. We've got to be open to change, right? Got that came out in worship. Be open to change the way you're thinking about some things. 
your devotion time, all that stuff that you do, all, that, all you're doing is you're plugging into the law of the spirit of life that's in Christ Jesus. That's what you're doing. You're not gaining any favor. You're plugging into the power, but your righteousness, that gift, that access, man, that came through Christ. The law had a lesson for us that says you, can't, you, you need Jesus. We got Jesus. Now we're over here with Jesus. Even if we've failed, there's a throne of grace that I can receive mercy. On this side of the cross, I don't have to go back over there in my thinking. I'm still in this place. I'm still over here. If I'm going to walk in the newness of life, I got to stay in this place, is what I'm saying. I got to stay in this new covenant. I got to stay in this throne of grace. I got to still realize that my ability to come boldly to the throne of grace is because of the blood of Jesus, not because I hit my devotion time five days in a row. I'm just saying, the way we can think in our mind, we got to get back to just realizing, man, I'm here by grace through faith. I'm in this place. Man, we can see this, get the revelation. I'm walking in a newness of the Spirit from this new place. I am in the kingdom of God's dear Son. I am under this new covenant. Praise God. There's a law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus that makes me free from the law of sin and death. I couldn't get that over there. There's a forgiveness that can only take place over here. So my, in my heart, I got to realize that that's the place of the cross that I am going to be that I'm going to be on. Um, and think of it this way, too. Kind of got the Super Bowl coming up today, so think of a football analogy. But, you know, there is something in football called the victory position. It's the last play of the game where the winning team has the ball with less than 40 seconds left in the game. The other team has no timeouts. And all they have to do is take a knee. Because the victory, the score has already been settled. It's on the board. The victory's won. It's just academic. It's just running out the clock. What Jesus did for us to get us from here to here, that was the heavy lifting. He scored those points. He came to destroy the works of the devil, and he did it. He came to get the keys of death, hell, and the grave, and he got them. He came that we might have life and have it more abundantly, and he unleashed the law of the spirit of life that's in Christ Jesus. He has scored the points. He always causes us, always causes us to triumph. Why is that? Because that victory, it's not just a place, it's a place of victory. In the sense, when he ascended into heaven, there was really 39 seconds left on the clock and we've got the ball. The rest is really academic. I mean, he made the show of powers and principalities at the cross. He destroyed him here. That battle was won. I didn't do anything. All I did was get saved. And I just came under this covenant with the better promises. It's a promise of protection. It's a promise of deliverance. I'm coming under those promises. The heavy lifting was done in obtaining those promises. I'm on this side of it. And again, I'm just talking about legalism and trying to do what Christ already did for me. I am here taking a victory position. I'm taking that knee, as it were, to the Lord, you know, in, in prayer, in submission to what God has already done for me. But we got to see ourselves on that victory side. Am I walking in the fullness of it? No, there's room. I've got to grow, me and you both. But that's the side we're on. 
And my faith doesn't change or undo or alter anything Christ did for me. I'm just learning how to walk in the fullness of that victory that he's won for me. But I got to walk in the newness of life from here. And I can't allow sin or neglect or sowing the flesh. I can't in my mind let it put me back over here, all right? So we got to stay on this side of the cross no matter what happens to us because this is where we are, all right? And he knows that. The other thing that's kind of new um, is I'm not just in a new place. I'm a new person in a new place, all right? This is, this is a big deal. Jesus was talking to Nicodemus. He was one of the, the rulers there in the synagogues. And Jesus replied, he said, I tell you the truth, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, I assure you no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of the water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. In other words, when, that, when, when the law pointed you to Christ, it tutored you to your need for Christ, and you passed over into the kingdom of God's dear son, you couldn't pass over without being born again. You didn't just pass over into a new place. You got changed as you came into that new place. You got born again. Your spirit, your very inward man became brand new. You're a three-part being, your spirit, soul, and body. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Something changed about you. Uh, Paul puts it this way in Corinthians. He says, therefore, from now on, we regard no man according to the flesh, even though we've known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone, anyone passes through, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The Amplified says the old, previous, moral, spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. Now, this is so vitally important because in the same way, you've got to get a revelation um, of the, let's say, a revelation of the oldness of the letter and as much as you need to do in the newness of the Spirit to understand the contrast, it's not just important to know that you're a new creation in Christ. That's important. It is huge. It is invited. We'll, we'll get into more why that's important. But you also have to know that along with that, equally right there, that the old things passed away. The old, previous, moral, spiritual condition passed away. That's a big deal because you can go from here to here and still feel the same because you still got stuff in your mind and your soul and things that are going on. But you can't enter the kingdom of God without getting born again. That old previous moral condition passed away. In other words, when you're over here, well, let's just say when you're over here, when you're on the new side, you know what it is to struggle with your flesh. You know that pull of the flesh. You know that thing that you got to deal with, putting to death the deeds of the body. Over here, you had knowledge of what was right, but in your very spirit, you were corrupted with sin in your spirit. You are not born again over here. You are born again over there. Your spirit 
is corrupted with sin. This is what happened when God told Adam, he said, in the day you eat that fruit, you will surely die. He didn't die physically, but something died about Adam. His spirit died. That fellowship, the communion that he intrinsically had with his creator was broken. It was corrupted by sin. When you get born again, that inner part, that's the part of you that becomes brand new, that becomes a new creation in Christ Jesus. Now, if you're going to walk in the newness of spirit, it is from a new place, but I'm doing this as a new person, as a new creature. But understand that the old man did die. Don't get fooled into thinking that just because you got the pull of the flesh over here, that that's you. It's not you. That's just the pull of your body. You had a, pro you had a double problem over here. Your spirit was dead and you still had the sinful tendencies of your natural body working against you. But over here, you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Your spirit is not working against you anymore here. You still got the outward pull, but your spirit is not working against you. So it's important to understand, we're going to look at how the old man died. And when you begin to look at what the scripture talks about the old man dying, it really helps to understand and give yourself permission to really see yourself. I really am new. Even though I got this pull, I'm still new on the inside. What does the scripture say in Romans? It says, we know that our old sinful selves... We're crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin, but now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Jesus Christ. Is it script? That's quite a consideration. But you don't understand, Pastor. The full yeah. You know this book was written to new creations. These are new creation instructions on how to think like a new creation. And that's what he's saying. Hey, new creation, consider yourself to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Because you are. There's something going on over here. If you're going to walk in a newness of the Spirit, you're going to, we're going to walk it from a, a new place, but you're going to walk it as a new person. Again, I'm not this old person trying to be good. God created me a new, good, righteous person on the inside. It's the work of grace. There's no boast here. I can say, I am righteous I am uh, brand new, created in righteousness and true holiness, and there's no boast at all. It's just boasting in the cross. It's boasting in the work of Christ of what he did in me. But now if I'm thinking like a law person, oh, it sounds like a boast, yeah, that may mean your mentality's over here. But when you begin to think like this, you can say that and there's no sense of boast about it at all because you're a new person. You don't think in the oldness of the letter. You're thinking in a newness of the spirit. And if you're going to get traction in the Spirit, we've got to come over from that oldness of the letter and start thinking in the newness of the Spirit. I'm a new creation. My old sinful self was crucified with Christ, but I'm alive. Uh, Galatians put this, puts it this way. But because the Messiah lives in me, I have now died to law's dominion over me so that I can live for God. My old identity has been co-crucified with Messiah and no longer lives. For the nails of his cross crucified me with him. Now the essence of his new life is no longer mine, 
for, for, for now the essence of this new life is no longer mine, for the anointed one lives his life through me. We live in union as one. So that is why I don't view God's grace as something minor or peripheral. For if keeping the law could release God's righteousness to us, then the anointed one would have died for nothing. He's talking like a new creation. He's thinking like a new creation. He's seeing life as a new creation. He's walking in a newness of life where he sees his old man die. Does that mean he has no problem? No, the, apostle, the same apostle Paul said, I keep my body under. I have to keep my body under. I keep my flesh under. But he's a new creation. He knows that old man was crucified with Christ. The thing that he's dealing with now is his flesh. But on the inside, who he is, he's a new creation. This is so important because if you don't see yourself as a new creation, you're going to forever be trying to be good instead of being who you are, who God made you to be. Then you're winning from the inside out. But as long as you're always in your heart of hearts believing you are that sin, you, you, you got to lose in battle. That's why we had to be born again. So on the very inside, we could be made brand new. Why is this important? If, think of it this way, if we're going to be dead to sin, if we're going to, what, what does he say? I've died to law's dominion over me so that I can live for God. What did the law do? It did a couple things. It tutored us. It showed us our need for Christ. But something else the law did. The apostle Paul said the law. He said, I was fine. But then the law came. And sin revived and I died. The law said, thou shalt not covet. It's like, oh, I can't, oh, the forbidden sin. Oh. The law stirred up the passions of the flesh. The law, the thou shalt not, that stirs up the passion in the sinful passions of the flesh. It didn't do it in a vindictive, evil way. It did it to show us our need. It did it to show us that inward condition that we needed Christ. The law, so I would, you know, that law, you know, it, it, it made me see who I was. But you go over here, and why can the Apostle Paul say, I'm dead to sin. I'm dead to the law. Because the law that could stir up sinful passions in that old man has nothing to stir up in the new creation. Are you a new creation, really? Yeah, you are. You are a new creation, really. The intimidating law that would reveal my sinful condition over here is not intimidating to this new man. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I don't think that way anymore. I think different. I'm walking in a newness of life. I see myself as a new creation. I'm walking from a new place as a new person. That old person wouldn't fit in this place. It would be like putting old wine into new wineskins. We needed the new wineskins of the place and we needed the new wineskins of the person. Your spirit had to be new wine to fit in this place. You understand? You can't take the old legalistic-minded thinking person and put him here. He's going to make a lot of this too. You got to see yourself as that new person. I really am a new creation. I got to let my mind go there. Say, God, you did that in me. When you, when you can do that, then the scripture makes sense. Instead of sounding like, you know, highfalutin spiritual concepts, it's really practically true. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We're no longer slaves to sin. When we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. We're talking about that inward man. Consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin. You're getting a revelation of who you are in Christ. In other words, 
This is not what the revelation of the new creation is supposed to do. It's not supposed to make you think, oh, wow, I'm really, I'm really good on the inside. I'm really nice. Ah, oh, and help your self-esteem. It's not there to make you feel better about yourself. That's not going to win this battle. It's there to show you who you are. To give you a backbone and realize this, I'm a child of God. I've been getting pushed around by the flesh, the world, and the devil, and I am a spirit being. I am a new creation. In fact, the way the Bible talks about your spiritual nature over there, it talks about it in the past tense. Um, Ephesians puts it this way, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked when you in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sense of disobedience, among whom you also once conducted our, we, we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And look at this, were by nature children of wrath just as others. He's telling these Ephesians, you are no longer by nature a child of wrath. Did they have to still deal with their flesh? Yeah, they did. Go ahead and read Ephesians chapter 4. In Ephesians chapter 5, in Ephesians chapter 6. But they are no longer by nature a child of wrath. Their nature has changed. The love of God has been shed abroad in their hearts by the Holy Spirit. Now this is where it's, an, where it's important to understand that contrast. And I don't care how dramatic or undramatic your Christian testimony is. We all have the same thing happen. We all needed that same thing to happen. And I praise God for the amazing ways he'll reach in and deliver people. But we got to understand, forget the nature of the testimony. This happens with every testimony. You're made a new person. You're no longer under the control of that sin spirit. You're the old, previous, moral, spiritual condition. Spiritual condition has passed away. You've been born again. So that's where it's important to understand that. He has made us brand new on the inside. So it brings me to the final, and so I love it, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision avails anything or any uncircumcision, but a new creation. It doesn't matter, matter whether we've been circumcised or not. What counts is whether we've been transformed into a new creation. So I've, been, I've come over to a new place. I'm a new person. And this is where, I just want to close this, it's a new pursuit. You'll see there's a whole new New Testament paradigm over here. A whole new pursuit that's uncovered in these epistles. And the Apostle Paul puts it this way. Those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits themselves. But those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit are motivated to pursue spiritual realities. What are we talking about this stuff for? Spiritual reality. Sounds like theory. Sounds like theory to the natural man. But these are spiritual realities. Yes, let's feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm. Fill your thoughts with heavenly realities, not with the distractions of the natural realm. We see this pursuit now in the New Testament. And as you're reading your New Testament, see this pursuit. This is kind of a, a mash of scriptures here that are talking about the same thing. Uh, Colossians, Ephesians, Romans. Put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new man which was created according to God in, the true righteousness, in true righteousness and holiness. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. 
In other words, over here, I'm just, I, I want to live right. I want to do right. I want to improve. I want to get better. I want to just, you know, I'm performance, performance. And over here, it's like, wow, he did it all. Lord, show me. I want to see it. I want to pursue these spiritual realities. And you'll notice he says, uh, put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. And again, be renewed in the spirit of your mind, put on the new man, which was already created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. What am I doing? I know I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. I'm putting him on. All right? I'm beginning to think like a new man. Now, we're already, you know, it's a big topic. But when you read through Colossians chapter 3, you can see how a new man thinks. Therefore, as the elect of God, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, forgive, even as God in Christ has forgiven you. You think, I, I can't do that. I know, but you can. <laughs> and when you begin to think like a new creation, you think, well, okay, this is written to new creatures. This isn't written to my personality type or my bloodline, or whatever natural thing you want to say. i got to begin to think like a new creature if I'm going to walk in the newness of life, which means i got a new pursuit. I'm not trying to keep ten laws anymore. I'm pursuing to see who I am in Christ. I want to see this new creation. I want to see what you, you... You created me in righteousness and true holiness? Wow, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, but it's true. But it's true. And this is what I just want to get across. When you think of, think of like the, the Reformation back in the 1500s, you take a Martin Luther and all those great reformers of old. Let me tell you what didn't happen back then. There was not an outpouring of the mercy and the grace and the forgiveness of God. That happened 2,000 years ago when Jesus died on the cross for our sins. What happened there was somebody looked in the word of God and saw it was written and decided to believe that it was true. And when they believed it was true, the Spirit of God agreed with the Word of God. And they walked free from hundreds of years of religious bondages and thinking and heaviness. Creation groans for the revealing of the sons of God. There comes a time, these realities, they happened 2,000 years ago too. When Jesus did that heavy lifting. If we're going to walk in the newness of the Spirit at some point, these got to go from highfalutin sounding spiritual concepts to concrete spiritual realities that me as a new creation can see and believe. Because I'm believing about something that God did in me. I can't do that. You're right. You can't do that. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me over here. It's a new paradigm. It's a new way of thinking. I haven't arrived. I'm not there. I'm just seeing the trajectory of where I'm going. I'm going to grow up spiritually in who I am in the Lord. How does that happen? The law, I'm going to, I'm going to go through, I'm going to skip to this. I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling, the riches, the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. This there's a pursuit. There's a pursuit here. I want to know who I am in you, Father. This thing has had my lunch for years. 
I've been under this narrative, this checkmate. There must be something over here that I'm not seeing. There must be something from your angle. There is deliverance that comes by revelation of the Spirit. Same old problem, but you see it from a whole new light. You see yourself from a whole new light, and it's broken in a moment because of revelation, something you see that God's already done. I'm not over here trying to do it. I'm just getting a revelation of what God has done, and I'm walking in that. It's a new pursuit. I'm hungry, Lord, to know who I am. I want to put on the new man. I want to do what I need to do to see who I am in you. I want to see who you've made. You created me in righteousness and true holiness. I love the way um, this is kind of an, an example as it relates to sin. Sin is a dethroned monarch. All right, this is talking about this kind of the back and forth battle. So you must no longer give it an opportunity to rule in your life, controlling how you live and compelling you to obey its desires and cravings. So then, this is well put, refuse to answer its call to surrender your body as a tool for wickedness. Instead, passionately answer God's call to keep yielding your body to him as one who has now experienced resurrection life. You, as one who's experienced resurrection, as resurrection life. Not as somebody who's under the law trying to be good and try to keep his record and for so many days and all this. No, I'm doing it as somebody who has resurrection life. I'm resisting sin from a place and as a person. I'm doing it as a new creation. I see myself righteous in him now, created in righteousness and true holiness. And so I'm not yielding as one who's experienced resurrection life. You now live for his pleasure, ready to be used for his noble purpose. Remember this, sin will not conquer you, for God already has. You come over here. You are not governed by law, but governed by the reign of the grace of God. In other words, when I get into this new creation guy, the law can't stir up sinful passions in the new creation. He's created in righteousness and true holiness. So that's why the scripture says, walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's not so much that you're not trying to not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You're preoccupied with seeing who you are in the spirit. You're preoccupied with going after those spiritual realities. And when you do, you get revelation of those spiritual realities. And you begin to grow and see what God has done inside of you as a child of God. This is just kind of a summary scripture that I think um, summarizes it well. It's my final scripture this morning, but... And this is the message, so it is a paraphrase, but still. What actually took place is this. I tried keeping rules and working my head off to please God, and it didn't work. So I quit being a lawman so I could be God's man. Christ's life showed me how and enabled me to do it. I identified myself completely with him. Indeed, I've been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central. It is no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion. And I am no longer driven to impress God. Christ lives in me. The life you see me living is not mine, but it is lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I am not going to go back on that. I love that. I'm not going to go back on that. In other words, you're here by faith. I'm a, it's no longer me who lives. It's Christ who lives in me. It's this new work that he's done in me, this new creation that he is giving, uh, that I'm giving ascendancy, that I'm agreeing with, seeing myself as I am in him. And so we're talking about walking in a newness of spirit as opposed to the oldness of the letter. It's a new place. You're in this kingdom of God's dear son. Nothing can get you out of that kingdom. You are in that kingdom. Nothing can separate you from his love. That's where you are. You're not just in a new place, you're a new person. You're a new creation. 
I'm telling you what, this takes time. But this is where you get transformed by the renewing of your mind. You think, oh, that thing. Instead of saying, I shouldn't do that. Law, I'm going to do it. If your response to, I shouldn't, I shouldn't. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. That's, that's not me. That pull is not me. I'm being, what are you? I'm being reconditioned. I'm being transformed by the renewing of my mind. I, that's not me. I am a new creation in Christ. What happened? You're putting on the new man. I'm putting on. I'm being renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created me. I'm seeing myself as that new person. Yes, the flesh battle is very real, but that's why walking in the spirit defeats the fulfilling of the lust of the flesh. It's a really amazing paradigm because when you walk in the spirit to not fulfill the lust of the flesh, you're choosing to let go of an identity. These are choices of the heart. And you could, if you've been doing something the same way for 23 years, whatever, it's like, okay, I'm not going to think that way anymore. I'm a new creation. I'm going to think like a new creation. I'm dead to that. I shouldn't get the law thing out of your head. I'm a new creation. I don't have to. I'm not trying to be good. I'm just trying to be who I am in Christ. That's the difference. That's the distinction. So as we're talking again about walking in the Spirit, the newness of the Spirit, <clears throat> let that word, let that revelation soar in your spirit. I mean, what an amazing truth. Heavenly Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for what you've done for us, in us. We thank you for this new and better covenant, for these amazing promises that we are not just forgiven, but we are born again. We are new creations in Christ Jesus that we can declare stuff like, I've been crucified with Christ, that we, are, that we can consider ourselves to be dead to sin. Oh, Lord. What an amazing consideration. There's only one way we could do that, is that if this stuff is real, it is. Go ahead and make this a declaration of faith if your heart can agree. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I am your child. I've been born again, born of the Holy Spirit. I've passed into your kingdom. I'm in a new place now with a new covenant with better promises, with a throne of grace that I can approach you at any time, even if I've missed it and I need mercy, I can still approach you to get mercy. I thank you, Lord. I'm in this place and I will not allow any suggestion to make me believe that I'm not in this place. I'm secure in this place. And I thank you, Heavenly Father. I'm not the same old person. My spirit being became brand new. A child of God. It got recreated in righteousness and true holiness. That's a work of grace. In the same way, I receive the forgiveness of sins. I receive the newness of spirit. I allow my mind to go there too, to see myself new. 
a child of God. And I thank you, Father. I have a new pursuit. Not to try to be good, but to put on the new man. To, to pursue heavenly realities. To see who I really am in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, this is such a part, an important cog in the wheel, if you will, of walking in the Spirit. Great to know that we need the power. Great to know how to plug in. But you got to realize, if this is going to work in real life, you can't play the setting your mind on things above game like in a new version of the law. It's good to do those things. And man, we need to. We need to feed on because those are the things that are going to help us because that's the cool thing. When I'm setting my mind on things above, I'm doing it with an agenda. I'm setting my mind on things above so that I can see further who I am in Christ. I'm doing this as a new creation. I'm worshiping songs, hymns, spiritual songs as a new creation. I'm reading the word of God as a new creation. Everything I'm doing now is orientated around being a new creation. Convincing myself that what God said in his word is true. The just shall live by faith. Praise God. We got that. Well, consider yourself to be dead unto sin. You are created in righteousness and true holiness. And begin to hunger, thirst, get that spiritual appetite for finding out who you are in Christ. Like I said, you will not be fulfilling the lust of the flesh. Not so much because you're not trying to fulfill the lust of the flesh, but you've got another pursuit going on. You're preoccupied with finding out what God has done in you. And when you begin to look at that, and you begin to read some of these New Testament epistles, they'll open up because you're going to read them as a new creation, not as somebody who's under the law trying to do this, that, and the other. But you're reading them as, as the new person that God has made you to be. The generation that gets that, I'm telling you what, there's going to be amazing things that happen immediately because you're, it's from a place. The generation that sees that that Reformation generation that sees that and what just simply walks in who you are, that's what creation is groaning for. That revealing. Of just simply not do it, just the work of grace, just believing what God already did. Believed his forgiveness, now I gotta believe in what he did on the inside of me. Amen? Praise God.